New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very moment of time. We thank you uh, for November 30th, 2014. We thank you, uh, Lord, that we're alive, that you're alive in us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy every day. We thank you that they're new. We thank you for the great adventure of knowing you and being filled with you and being led by you. And Holy Spirit, we even ask now that that your people, your saints, the body of Christ, this church family would be strengthened and they would be edified and they would be encouraged this morning with, with, with what you want to release uh, to them today. So Holy Spirit, we say give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Lord, wherever we're at in life, I pray that there would be something beneficial, some, there would be benefit to what they'll receive this morning. So we trust you, Holy Spirit, for what you want to do. In Jesus' mighty name. All the saints said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. It's good to be here with you. Uh, my name is Ralph. I'm part of the pastoral team here at New Hope. If you're a guest with us or new, we're glad that you're here. And we're, uh, we're kind of doing a two-week series, uh, two-week two series in that. We're using the scripture out of Acts 13, verse 52. If you want to turn there, or if you just want to write it down and turn later, but Acts 13, verse 52, says, And the disciples, and the disciples, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. How many disciples do we have here this morning? If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a disciple. And I pray, um, I, sp- I said this last week, but but the place that you work, the place that you visit, the, the Wegmans or the Tops or wherever you shop, the cities, the towns, the places where you go, more than ever before, they need a demonstration. They need to, they need to see God's people filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. Say amen to that. Amen. So it's part of your assignment as an ambassador of Christ. As an ambassador of King Jesus, an ambassador of love, to be filled with joy and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to do a quick, quick review. If, I'm not selling the tapes, but get the tape or get this, go online if you, if you, if you, don't, uh, if you didn't receive it. But a quick review, how amazing to be a disciple with Jesus Christ in the flesh when he was walking the earth. They walked with him for three and a half years. They were taught by him. They loved him. They broke bread with him. So to be a disciple in that day, in the the flesh, at that moment of time, imagine walking with Jesus Christ for three and a half years and then watching him be crucified and being very confused and then watching him die and then watching him be buried. I think it's very significant that we forget them things we look at it from a lens or a perspective from now. It was a devastating time. There was a lot of confusion. And then they remembered what he had said, and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, and he revealed himself to his disciples for 40 days. 
Remember the stories? He, he walked through walls. He, he, said, he said to Doubting Thomas, touch my hands, touch my feet. I'm alive. I've risen from the dead. There was proof of his resurrection. And in all that, he says to them, before you can truly be my disciples or before you can actually go move forward into your assignment, what I have for you on planet Earth, he said, wait. Which I find it very fascinating. Through all that experience, they still had to wait. And he said, you're going to wait for the promise of the Father. That's what he called it. The promise of the Father. He said, wait. You're going to receive the promise of the Father. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, which I've talked to you about. And one of the things we learned last week, it is to our advantage. I love that because I think it's very significant that the Holy Spirit made sure that was in the Scriptures. Because even at that time, could you imagine some of the confusion they must have experienced? He had risen from the dead. He was with them. They actually asked the question, when will your rule be on the earth? When will you take over? He said, it's not for you to know, but I can tell you this. Wait for the promise of the Father, which I have talked about. And then you just wait. And right before their very eyes, he said, wait for the promise. And then he was taken up into heaven. Wait. I was with you all this time. Up in the clouds, he disappears. And he said it was to your advantage. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus had to go home to be back with the Father. He was sent from the Father. He had an assignment to do. He said, I have to go back, seat at the right hand of the Father. But when I go, it's to your advantage because now the promise of the Father will come, which is the Holy Spirit. And in Acts and Pentecost, we see the beautiful demonstration where they were in the upper room, they were in one accord, and the place shook, and the Holy Spirit filled them up for the very first time. The Holy Spirit came in and filled them up. We talked about what it looked like to be filled. And some of these pictures are very accurate because I think some people think it's just a little tiny thing. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you literally are completely under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And the picture that Scripture uh, the picture that uh, is drawn or presented in Scripture is you are literally saturated. You are impregnated. You are filled. You are soaking wet. If we could see in the Spirit, it would be completely drenched, filled, soaking wet, saturated, filled with the Holy Spirit. And here at New Hope Community Church, here at, at, in our church family, we believe in being completely filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to live life and if, you're, if uh, I made the comment, which uh, I'll talk about in a minute, but if you're trying to, uh, so much of the body of Christ is trying to live a Christian life without knowing and experiencing the person of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to work. If Jesus told them to wait, and then he provided a way for us to be filled and to experience the person of the Holy Spirit, it's absolutely essential in your life that you understand the Holy Spirit and that you're filled daily with the Holy Spirit. And then they were filled with power, mighty, miracle-working power. We need the same power today to live. And then they were filled, to, and they, they were commissioned and said, now you can go. Now you can go be my witnesses. Now you can go. You're my disciples. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. A few really good questions came up after that. 
I, I, I told you, I told everybody that this was not an exhaustive teaching on the Holy Spirit. You could spend weeks and weeks and hours and hours talking about the Holy Spirit. But a few good questions came up. When do you receive the Holy Spirit as a believer? So I'll just use my own testimony. I'm a 21-year-old kid sitting in a jail cell, and I'm reading the Bible for the very first time in my life, and I experience God in a jail cell with nobody talking to me. So in the spirit realm, in the spirit, God is speaking to me when I don't even know who he is. I wasn't searching for him, and he reveals his heart to me, and he starts talking to me. And I would say at that point of invitation, to me, what I've made it really simple, God gave me an invitation. I needed to respond. You know that every one of you, if you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, how many of you know you responded? And you said yes. And you bowed your knee. Or you said yes to Jesus, and you invited him to come and live and dwell in you. At that very millisecond, it's called the quickening, boom, in a second, you were born again. You received the very spirit of the living God. There's no way you can be born again if you don't receive the Holy Spirit. Because you received the fullness of the Godhead right there. So, we'll clarify that. You receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again. It says you can't even see the kingdom. You can't even see it if you're not born again. And you're born again when you receive Christ when you say yes to that invitation because God had been working in your life and you said yes, Holy Spirit comes in. But here's the really neat part about Holy Spirit. And I think it really applies to a lot of the areas of our spiritual life. We receive everything by faith and we receive everything in seed form. So when you received even at that moment, you could say, well, you got the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But trust me, at 21 years old, sitting in a jail cell, I had no idea who Holy Spirit was. It took time, understand? It took time, it took a relationship with God, it took unfolding, it was a relationship with God that was unfolding, and then I learned more about the Holy Spirit. So it came in seed, and I began to grow, I began to bear fruit, and like many here, all of a sudden you discover that there's something in Scripture called baptism. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism by fire. And we discover there is a more. And I believe with all my heart that we need to be talking about this in, even more in days ahead because if you've received Christ and it came into you by faith and in seed form, then, then the level of abundant living is when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you begin to operate. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a manifestation of tongues. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in edifying our own spirit and edifying uh, the, the Holy Spirit through the speaking of tongues. But it's really important that we, we're not afraid to talk about it. And as I was preparing, it was just so much uh, this idea that we have the amazing reality of the Holy Spirit because we want to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit as a lifestyle, as a daily lifestyle. We're being filled, we're being led, we're Spirit-filled Christians, we understand what that means. We don't want to ignore the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then another neat question said, well, I think I said something like, um, well, let me just say, say it like this. Many people live apart from the Holy Spirit. What, I, what a clarification there is really important. They have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. 
But I would say it like this. It's like having a credit card in your pocket with a $10,000 credit line. And you're, and you're squeezing, you're rubbing two nickels together, not knowing that you have the abundance, the fullness of the Holy Spirit available to you. And I believe that's where you have a choice. That's where you have a free will. That's where the enemy comes to rob, steal, destroy. He's a liar. And um, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. And Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So if you want a little study on your own, about what does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and Ephesians 4.30. So we have a choice in this relationship, just like we have a choice in every relationship. But, I, but this morning I want to continue to teach about living as a disciple filled with truth, filled with the reality of the indwelling, abiding person of the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling, he's infilling, he's abiding in us, and we get to participate in life filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with joy. Actually, I'm going to be shifting over to joy. But how many of you are growing and learning about your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Just show me. How, just, just, are you growing and learning about your relationship with the Holy Spirit? You're learning to hear his voice. You're learning to obey his voice. You're learning about comfort zones and taking risks and whatever that would look like in your life. I shared a neat little story. Somebody laughed this morning. He said, Ralph, what time did you get up this morning? I said, I got up at 5 o'clock, like I always do. 5 a.m., I got up. Last week, I was going to get up at 5 a.m., just like I always do when I'm bringing the Word or I'm preparing for a message because I got it all basically together, but I love spending time with the Lord and tightening up the, the, the loose ends. And last week, the Lord said, sleep in, Relax. He didn't tell me not to come to church, though. <laughs> I had a neat conversation with somebody about that. Because um, there's fruit. The Holy, Spirit is not, the Holy Spirit's not a mess in the sense where he's completely unorganized. He speaks to us. He leads us. I, uh, this is interesting. I'm gonna sh- I don't even know. I'm, I feel like I'm being led by the Holy Spirit even now. I had a situation here in church many years ago where the person came up to me out of the blue. A family that was here, planted here in this church. A family with kids. And they said, Holy Spirit told us to go to a different church. Like tomorrow. I go, really? I said, I- I'm having trouble with that. Because we have an environment here of grace and freedom. But here's what I said to them. In my whole experience, 35 years with Jesus Christ, I'd never seen the Holy Spirit take a family, rip them out of, a, uh, out of the ground, and transplant them without some type of process. You know what the problem was? They had taken up an offense. And they were angry. And they were running. So they had taken up an offense. They were running and they were angry. And how many of you have experienced this? The Holy Spirit told us to go. Right? Susie's laughing. The Holy Spirit told me not to go to church. The Holy Spirit told me not to tithe or give or sow. I'm not buying it. The Holy Spirit is very consistent and here's what I, how, how I want you to remember this. The Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit always glorifies the Son. So if it's glorifying Jesus, I got open ears to listen. But I'm not afraid to say, time out. I don't know about that because we are called to examine the fruit. We are called to look at people's lives and help them and guide them and shepherd them. So that's just something that as you're growing... 
Make sure that when you're listening or hearing Holy Spirit, that you can be accountable to other people. That you can be accountable to people you love and you're growing with. So now we're going to switch real quick, okay? What's the other part of that scripture? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and what? They were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. And with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were filled. It's so important. I love words. I love digging into words. And I love kind of getting the full impact of of how even Scripture is written. But the same infilling of the Holy Spirit, the same intensity of being filled with the Holy Spirit, being completely consumed, saturated, filled, soaking wet, fully alive to the Holy Spirit, is the same exact thing, and be filled with joy. Now, how many of us um, have a hard time with joy? Anybody have a hard time with joy? Do, do people think joy is manufactured? Do people think joy is like too up, too up with people? Up with people? Joy? Happy? I'm so, what's that, that song? Happy song? Happy song? Happy song? I'm so happy. It's really interesting because what I'm seeing, even some places in the body of Christ and some of my experiences, it's almost like the, the body of Christ doesn't think they're supposed to be joyful. Joyful, joyful. You know, whatever, you know, the, 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 you know, I'm being real here. I don't know how many times in the last six months I've had people go, boy, the times are tough. Times are tough. You're living in one of the most prosperous days in the, in the, in the history of planet Earth. You are living in abundance. Americans live like kings on the earth in America. You know that? It's fascinating to me when we think we got it tough. Because we got it tough when our de- satellite dish is not working properly. We got it tough when the internet went down or we're on 3G instead of 4G. We got it tough when, um, you know, the, we bought four turkeys instead of three turkeys this year for, for Thanksgiving. So can we just be honest? There's something, but I tell you, there's a spirit that wants to rob you of true joy. So as I've been praying, I'm saying, Lord, why is it so important that the disciples be filled with joy? authentic, genuine, real joy. And where does this joy come from? And how can, how can I have a sustainable living joy in me? It's the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the disciples were filled with joy. The word is to be, uh, you know how we say something needs to be repleted, it needs to be filled up again, it needs to be satisfied, replete. You are literally stuffed. You're crammed. You are completely full of joy. How many want to be completely filled with joy? You want to be stuffed like on Thanksgiving Day when you can't eat? You want to be crammed? It actually means to be gouged. Abundantly supplied for. Joy is available to you. If you are a disciple, we're going to get this, but when you come to me or you come to anybody, I can tell I'm getting fired up about this because, because here's what I think. I think that people are being robbed of joy. And they settle in this area of, of, of whatever type of life. It goes back to a few weeks ago when I talked about the abundant life that Jesus has available for us to live. 
It's a beautiful life. It's an abundant life. For those of you who know me, I don't know if you've ever done this thing. It's called Strength Finders. Anybody know what Strength Finders is? It's a, it's a way that you can, you know, what are, what are your five gifts? What are your primary gifts? What are your strengths? What are your talents? And what, the neat thing about that is it's important for everybody to know how God wired them and how he created us. But it's also good within a team because then if you're working with a team, um, I know my five strengths and I'm working with Grace on a project. I know her five strengths. And we find out that we're not colliding. We just have different, we're wired differently. So how many of you would be surprised if one of my strengths, one of my top five strengths, was positivity? <laughs> positivity. One of my five major strengths. It's the, it's the eyeglasses in which I see the world. It's the lens in which I see the cup. The cup, Jackie's always half full, never half empty. There's always hope in Christ. There's always possibilities in God. But I had a neat conversation with a friend because the friend thought I was like this from the day I was born. Well, guess what? It happened the day I was born again. It happened when I was born again. Something shifted in my spirit. Jesus made something alive in me. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. But when there is joy, unspeakable joy, inexpressible joy... We have to understand where is the sustainable fire of that joy. It's not outside, it's inside. It's not external, it's internal. So when you see kind of, uh, because honestly, when you read, you know, they got these little profiles about that. So I could be meeting with uh, Jenny, and Jenny actually gets aggravated at me at times because she says I'm too positive. That's a, that's a, that's a, a hypothetical but when, I, when I'm with Jenny, but, but now I've had to overcome this because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, everybody thinks like it's Ralph, up with people, have a great day. Uh, who's the guy that does the teachings? Uh, no, even the guy, remember, that he does like positive thinking and, yeah, po- you know, po- the power of positive thinking. All this stuff. Guys, it's not about positive thinking. It's not about manufacturing something within your own strength. There's, I'm going to talk about the reality of joy. The reality of joy is the rivers of living water that are in your belly. It's the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. But when my joy is being robbed by anyone or any situation, I need to go back to the place that's a source of joy. Okay. Let's talk about joy. You know, in Luke 2, Luke 2, starting with verse 9, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of mediocre happiness. I bring you good tidings. I'm declaring, I'm making an announcement to every generation of, through all mankind. I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For this day is born to you in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh my goodness. This great joy is talked about in Luke. This great joy that's talked about um, 
In Ephesians, this great joy that's talked about in Acts, it means to cheerfulness, a calm delight. I like that, a calm delight. It means greatly being joyful. It's greatly being joyful. So if you are not experiencing cheerfulness, great joy, delightful calmness, if that's not your countenance, that's not your atmosphere, then I'm going to ask you why. Why is that not your atmosphere? Why is that not so needed today? When you go to work and you're representing Christ, you are an ambassador of Christ, you have a commissioning, and you should be filled with joy. Now, how many people would get mad at me if, if you said to me, I'm not always joyful, and I think you're full of baloney? You know, you're full of baloney that you can be always joyful. I'm going to tell you right now, you can always be joyful. Joyful, joyful. You can always be joyful. Ralph, you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know my family life. You don't know my history. You don't know my father, my mother, my brother, my sister. Joy is internal. It comes from the inside. It has nothing to do with exterior or for the outside. But you've got to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And you've got to know some stories. So we're going to share some of these stories. We, as the body of Christ, are ambassadors of great joy. This beautiful announcement that the angel made is that I bring you good tidings of great joy for all people for all time. The king is here. King Jesus showed up on the scene. King Jesus arrived. King Jesus is here. Love came down. We sing all these songs. Love came down from heaven. The Son of God said, I'm coming down. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to, my blood is going to be shed. He freely gave his life so that we could experience joy. One of the major things we're learning that when Jesus came, he established a new covenant, an everlasting covenant with the Father. And from the moment he came and he died and he rose again, he went back to heaven and said, wait for the Holy Spirit, everybody can be forgiven. So if you want a few things, we have maybe three or four things here, you are forgiven. When you are forgiven, joy releases in your belly. Joy releases in your life. So if you haven't thought about it for a while, you are forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future. Does that make anybody joyful? Joyful, joyful. Let's have a little fun. When you're joyful, I want you to yell, joyful, joyful. Joyful, joyful. joyful. A little interaction participation here, Danny. Joyful, joyful. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, come on, our sins are forgiven. They're washed away in the sea of forgetfulness. They will never be held or counted against you. Your sins are forgiven. That is good news. Acts 8, verse 1. Really neat. I'm going to tell two stories. Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, 
going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. He proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw the miraculous signs he did. They all all paid close attention to him and to what he said. Evil spirits came out of people. People were healed. Cripples were healed. Acts 8 verse 8 says this. So there was great joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. The same great joy that's talked about in Luke, the same great joy that's talked about in uh, Acts 13.52. So you look at this passage of Scripture and you realize that if it was today, it would go something like this. We're burying our buddy Craig because he was just murdered by the Judaizers and the Jews of the day. We're just going to uh, bury him. And all of us are scattering for our lives because there's great persecution in the church. These are rough times. These are the last days. Right? These got to be, you know, what, what's going on around here? And we're being persecuted. And then we see Dan and Sue, they got dragged out of their house. They got thrown in prison for their faith in Christ. The early church went through tremendous persecution and turmoil. You know, I'm, being, I'm, I'm just being really honest. We have it much easier than the early church. We can drive to church. We can put Jesus loves you on a bumper sticker. I can wear 10 crosses if I want. I mean, I can do basically do whatever. I mean, as much as people think it's intense, the truth is, now this is going to shift something, but the kingdom of God is here on earth. The, king, the kingdom's been advancing for 2,000 years. We are reaping the benefits of the early church going through this persecution. But think about that. Somebody's just been murdered. Some people are being dragged out of their houses. But there was great joy in the city. Had nothing to do with the government. Had nothing to do with what political party. Had just won the midterms. Had nothing to do with our, maybe a presidential candidate. Because I've been a Christian for 35 years. We had Carter. On the, when I first was able to vote, when I was 18 years old, Carter was going... Reagan came in. Reagan came in, George Sr., George Jr., Bill Clinton, Obama. My life personally has never been affected. My joy level, my deficiency of joy, up or down, has never been affected by what president sat at the White House. It's unbelievable. What's going on? Uh, Obamacare. Or this, Obama, this, Obama, that. So how about you bottoming out at Obama and getting some joy in your life? Joy is not external. Obamacare doesn't affect your joy meter. Amazing. It's not a little line that says if you believe in Jesus and you're under Obamacare, that you can only live at a four, level four joy. It's written. It's written in Obamacare. Level four joy. No. We get to live the abundant life that Jesus provided for us. We, live, we get to live, and there was great joy in the city. There was great cheer. The word's the same word. There was great cheerfulness in the city. The whole city was affected by the Christians. Living, being ambassadors of Christ. 
The same joy that was in Luke 2. Oh, dear saints, the Holy Spirit is alive in you. The demonstration of the king and his kingdom is alive in you and has to be seen. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ has to be on display. And then there will be great joy. It will be a visible demonstration of great joy that will be in our cities, in our towns, in our workplace. And and 1 Peter 1.8, we see another great example. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. I love this description of joy because it's inexpressible. It's inexpressible, unspeakable joy. It's glorious joy. I believe with all my heart, I'm on planet Earth as a, as a father and as a pastor, a shepherd, to encourage people for the fullness of everything Jesus Christ accomplished for us. So remember that idea of being um, having a, 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 one of the top five strengths was positivity. If you're anchored, if you're anchored in the scripture and the word of God and he's revealing truth to you and you know that you're forgiven of your sin, there's going to be an abundance of joy. In 1 Peter 1 through 8, you're going to find a few other things that can fill your joy up. We have a living hope as Christians. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is a reality in the spirit. You know that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have received an incorruptible inheritance. I know people who have lost natural inheritances. Sometimes it takes them years to get over it because what they thought was going to be an inheritance was squandered or stolen or lost. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have an incorruptible inheritance. It's undefiled, and it will never fade away. This is all in 1 Peter 1 through 8. The other amazing thing about being a Christian in joy is we are kept by the very power of God. We are kept by the power of God, it says. We are kept by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith. And then it says in verse 8, In this greatly rejoice. Be filled with joy. So be filled with joy, unspeakable joy, inexpressible joy, glorious joy, because your joy comes from the inside, not from the outside. You understand what I'm saying there? It comes from the internal spirit of the living God, which actually keeps you. It says the Holy Spirit was given to seal you. You are sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. As, as I am standing before you today, got saved in March of 1980, so I'm coming up on 35 years. Do you know how many times the Holy Spirit has kept me, watched over me, preserved my life, been faithful to me? I didn't do it all alone. I, I, I would have blown the whole thing up. It would have been a mess. And I've made messes along the way. But this inexpressible, unspeakable, undeniable, glorious joy happens when you're born again. And and by faith you receive it. It's in seed form. So we have a living hope. We've received an incorruptible inheritance. 
We are kept by the very power of God in 1 Peter, and it says, greatly rejoice in these things. Do not rejoice in the U.S. economy. Do not rejoice in whether or not um, you're loved or unloved, because that will change like the wind. And I mean, some, I, I knew I was saying that to, sometimes you feel loved or unloved, or, you know, I have five children, and if they're in a good relationship, you know, they're full of joy. If they're not in a good relationship, they're not filled with joy. It has nothing to do with external things. And once you can get through that, you can understand that the very essence of your joy comes from your relationship with God, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is vital. You will come into a new level of experiencing joy. We're going to end on this one. The first Peter, uh, first Peter one through eight. I was I was highlighting some of that, but I love this one. First Peter one through uh, one through eight. Verse eight says, "Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him." And are filled with an inexpressible, unspeakable, and glorious joy. That's a powerful scripture. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. I don't see him now. Everything I do is by faith. I've never seen him in the flesh or in person. I've experienced the Holy Spirit. I know he talks to me. But this scripture is amazing because I don't even see, I don't see him now in the natural. But I believe in him by believing in him, I'm filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. It's unspeakable. It's unattainable. And um, Jess, would you mind playing for me a little bit? I believe with all my heart, especially during this time of the year, that there's opportunities for all of us and this isn't just a cheesy kind of evangel, you know, evangelist, you know, let's go out. Really, our heart as a lifestyle, we should be living a lifestyle that demonstrates what the king is like and what it's like to live in the kingdom, right? So what's it like to live in the kingdom? What's it like to serve the king of glory? What's it like to have all your sins forgiven? What's it like to, to live with an inheritance that is incorruptible? What's it like to live a life where you're kept by God because of the power of the Holy Spirit and God's faithfulness? And I believe with all my heart this morning that if there is a joy deficit in your life, that all you have to do is ask Holy Spirit to fill you up again and to make you alive that joy is part of the deal. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, says, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though pleading with God, as, as if God was himself pleading through us, we employ you, we implore you on God's behalf be reconciled to God. We carry a powerful message. And the world is looking for authentic joy in the life of a believer. So as we close, I'm just going to pray that Holy Spirit, even now, fills you up, refreshes you. You're able to be filled with joy. And I'm very aware 
of John 10.10, which says the thief has come to steal and to rob and destroy. He's a liar. So just do me a favor, if you wouldn't mind. If you want to just shut your eyes. I pray for every single believer who's here today. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would be filled with joy. I pray that you would be very aware of whatever's nipping at you to rob you of your joy. That you would understand when you were born again, you were forgiven of your sins. That we have a living hope in Christ Jesus because he rose from the dead. That we have an inheritance that is incorruptible and it's waiting, it's there. It will never fade away. That we are literally kept by God every day. He is the very breath we breathe. And I pray that joy, unspeakable joy, would be something you experience on a daily basis because the source of the joy is not from anything external, but from the very one who abides and indwells you and lives in you. And that you can experience joy no matter what you're going through right now. And you'll find that that joy is an amazing anchor in your life and you're not tossed and you're not high and you're not low. There's a consistency in you as a person because of the power of Jesus who's living in you. And joy is a clear distinction for you. It's supernatural. It's supernatural that my life is filled with joy. It's not because I'm a positive person. Jesus Christ, you have made the difference in all of our lives and our joy is completely dependent on the fact that everything that you did you made a new covenant with the Father. We're forgiven of our sin. Oh God, there's so much good news to proclaim. And Father, I pray that as we go, we leave this place. Even this week, Holy Spirit, you would quicken and remind people when they're out, out and about in the highways and byways, they would be filled with joy. They'll experience the joy. So Holy Spirit, do it. Stir it up. Make it alive. So, Father, I bless your people. I bless this family here at New Hope. I bless all the guests that are here. And I say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with joy as you go and you live your life. And be blessed. And serve and love deeply. Enjoy the rest of your week and your end of your Thanksgiving weekend. And just be blessed. Till we see each other again. Amen. Amen.